Good evening, Demon fans, and uh, welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy, and it's been 79 days since we last kicked a ball in anger. And finally, we're only four days away from uh, kicking one again. Hopefully, this time the result goes in our favour. Uh, joining me tonight is longtime Demonlander George. And George, you are not only uh, did you survive a, a worldwide pandemic, but you seem to have survived uh, two months uh, without footy. How are you this evening? Oh. Better unmute you, actually. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that worked. <laughs> uh, isn't it great to have footy back again? And, and uh, here we are in June, surprisingly, and uh, we wouldn't have expected it, but the Demons are only one game from top spot on the ladder. <laughs> and uh, as usual in June, Collingwood have peaked again, so we can expect a, a slow and continuous decline for them for the remainder of the season. So, But it's good to be back. Another interesting stat, and probably our, our, our next co-host uh, will be able to answer that. Um, when was the last time uh, that we did not lose a game in uh, April or May? Um, and so far, uh, I guess in, in June. Um, our, uh, our next guest uh, tonight uh, is a demon historian, blogger, author of The Great Depression. You can follow him on Twitter at DemonBlog. On Demonland, he's known as Super Mercado. Good evening, Super Mercado. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. I was ready to chuck footy in and go and take up something else, but when I heard the theme song, Come On Demons, it just got me fired up again for the weekend. I might charge Dockland Stadium and see if I can crash a door down and get into the game. That'd be nice if we could. Um, uh, we love hearing from Demon Landers, so if you'd like to join our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, you can give us a call on 03 or you can Skype us at DemonLand31. Uh, if you're listening to the show live, come join us in our chat room uh, where you can ask questions or post comments. Just head over to demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to the show uh, at your leisure via uh, SoundCloud on demonland.com or via Apple or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and receive updates when a new show drops. Uh, don't forget to leave us a favorable review. Uh, it helps more people find us. We're also on Spotify, so you can get the show that way too. Go to demonland.com to find the links to your preferred method of listening. Uh, head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash demonland31, Twitter at demonland, Instagram at demonland31, or on YouTube, just search for the Demonland podcast and listen to some of the interviews uh, that we've conducted with current and past players and coaches. Uh, if you love talking about the D's 24-7 all year round, why not join up to demonland.com and chat with other D's fans about this great club. Now with all that out of the way, boys, um, I, I guess, we, well, given the situation, we uh, we didn't get to chat about um, about our last game. Um Actually, we had a I had a death in the family at the time, so I uh, had to cancel that podcast. Do we need to discuss uh, anything about that game before we move on uh, to the pandemic situation and what the D's have been doing? Uh, George, uh, your thoughts on that game? I, I, I think it was disappointing in the end, not, a, not only the fact that there wasn't a follow-up game to, to relieve our, our pain and suffering, um, there's been plenty of comments on the on the 
Demoland website um, and it's subsequently been picked up by the club and the coaches about the lack of forward connection in that game, which dearly cost us. Um, I, I, my, my thoughts were that I think we had one uh, tall, two few in the forward line, um, <clears throat> particularly when we used Tom McDonald as uh, backup ruck. Um, but the reality was that um, Wiedemann and, and Proust weren't available at the time and perhaps we didn't have anyone in any case, but it'll be interesting um, seeing how well uh, or whether has, there have been the changes that many have been calling for in the game against Carlton who are similarly similarly affected with a lack of tools um, with Cruiser and uh, uh, De Koning as uh, potentially out of the side this week. But um, West Coast game, we only lost by 27 points. Um, did West Coast take the foot off the pedal um, or whether we fought back um, strongly after that first quarter uh, performance? Um, we can only wait to see whether West Coast are uh, serious contenders yet again or and whether we are up, up to that sort of level. So we'll hope with um, hope for better things this week. I'm wondering if there was, because uh, uh, it wasn't, uh, that it wasn't there wasn't much time before the game started. Uh, I think they got wind or they got word that there wasn't going to be uh, a season or at least not for a number of weeks. There was the season had been put on hold. Do you think that had a, had any effect on the mindset of the players? It'd be difficult to know without asking the individual players, but at the end of the day, there were two sides out on the ground. Um, you know, West Coast didn't seem to be holding back in any way, shape or form. It would have been disappointing for uh, to find out just before you, you went onto the ground that this was it for quite some unknown time. Um, but yeah, there were two sides on the on the ground and you need to have you need to take whatever game you're playing seriously if you in at this level in the competition. So I've got my doubts about whether um, that really should have affected the players, whether it did or not, like I said, we don't know until we unless you talk to an individual player. Uh, Super Mercado, what did you think about uh, that West Coast game? Uh, what can you, uh, what did you take, take from that? The most frustrating thing to me was that the very modern, since we've not been complete crap, very modern Melbourne trait of throwing a game away in the space of 10 minutes. Yep. We matched them pretty much the rest of the game, uh, but it was just that first quarter where they just whacked on who knows, four, five, three, four, five goals in a row uh, and blew us out of the water. Now, sometimes uh, you, you pull the comeback off and which we have done quite a few times under Goodwin. It's, I always find it funny when people say he doesn't have a plan B. The amount of times that we end up three or four goals down at the start of a game and make a comeback, it suggests that he has more of a plan B than a plan A. But in this case, playing a very good team uh, on their own ground with all that uncertainty, I think you, were, you couldn't expect uh, a grand comeback but I think it's, it should be, who knows, given what's happened, uh, it should be a good trial for playing lower teams. I, I don't think we're contenders to win a premiership. I don't think we're contenders to regularly beat top teams, but we should be beating teams lower down the ladder. We should be beating other fringe top eight contenders uh, if we're anyway serious about this season. So not to write off Carlton uh, like it's a guaranteed win. We all know when you follow Melbourne, never... <laughs> ever try and guarantee a win because you'll just be disappointed. But I think this is an excellent test. If we lose this, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people blowing up uh, and possibly rightly so, depending on the circumstances in which it happens. 
Um, but uh, I too was very disappointed in the Simon Goodwin cliche connection between the midfields and the forwards. Um, seemed to be just the same old um, situation of just panic bombing it into the forward line and just fingers crossed that we're going to get it right. Uh, we just don't seem to like to kick to, to leads 40 metres out. And I don't know whether that's the midfielders, the forwards, the opposition getting on top of us, but I think that's something that will really help us if we can just find more of those goals from set shots from sort of 40 metres out uh, that come from the midfield kicking it to a leading forward. It really disappoints me that uh, that we're still doing still doing that. It, it, uh, I don't understand. That was our our biggest one of our biggest problems last year, um, and nothing's been done about it. So let's hope uh, we can rectify that. Um, having watched, and we'll talk a bit about this. Having watched a lot of lockdown uh, footy, old games in particular, um, going back even you know into the sort of mid to late nineties. We never had that problem. Uh, we had some good leading forwards and we used them really well, but uh, it seems that we are really lacking a leading forward uh, at the moment. Um, and I'm not sure we have that. I mean, we've got Fritch, but I don't know. Is he? Uh, he's probably too small as a key forward. So, mm. But I reckon go back two years and Tom McDonald, his best performance was leading to the ball in the forward line. Yep. Now we seem to always want to kick it on top of his head where he's expected to take a pack mark against four players. I would, I just question why two years ago was it the element of surprise that people weren't ready for him and now yeah. they are and he just doesn't have the, you know, the, the tools being a converted forward to break out of that. Um, but I, I just think that that finding space in the forward line and getting to kick at the lead, kick at a lead, um, would really help us. And it looks from an uneducated perspective like we just deliberately don't do it. But I'd be interested in sitting down with an assistant coach, if there are any remaining, to, to sit down and, and look at a video or something. And you tell me, is it that we the midfielders aren't kicking to the forward lead, the lead forwards aren't leading to the midfielders, or something else? Is it just the opposition clogging up the space and we can't beat it? I'd be really interested to get in a behind-the-scenes view of that. George? As, a, as another thought... As another thought on the same theme, um, you mentioned two years ago um, we had a bloke named Hogan playing up there alongside mm. him. Um, and honestly, I don't think we've we've actually replaced him. Uh, Wiedemann hasn't come along as expected and wasn't playing in the in the uh, West Coast game. And we had Brown, who, from my observations, couldn't catch anything on the day. So, you know, our forward line consisted of Tom McDonald, who was, you know. <laughs> Standing alongside McGovern, Hearn, and um, Barras, um, I think there was there was really only one outcome that we could have expected. And Fritch, Fritch, I think, was the next tallest in the field, and um, he's about the same height as Hearn, but Gabe is giving ten kilos away mm. to him. So uh, Melchin was the next one after that. He's smaller and and thinner than all three of them. So it was, it was almost like we'd uh, uh, written the result of what was going to happen and perhaps kicking it in hope it was the only a real option to us with with that lack of to- additional tool but kicking kicking in hope is not going to get us uh, into the top 8 uh, nor fur- no. further than that <laughs> so we've got us it's no. got to we've got to solve solve some uh, that problem there before we can be a genuine contender uh, that's for sure yeah. um i was i must say uh, i was very impressed with our first game uh, 
um, Cosie Pickett uh, did a few nice things, and I think we've got a got a bit of a player there. And I, I just can't wait to see uh, him in the you know blossom in the future because if uh, if what he did on the day uh, is any indication of what he can do, uh, I think we've got a player there. So look forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, have, have to absolutely agree there. That the, the bit I've seen of him at tra- as a training um, at the in the preseason period, some of the things he he would do are just spectacular. So. Um, We've got um, you expect to see him in highlights reels for the years to come, hopefully. Um, but oh, but just as equally, I think we had a couple of other um, first gamers for Melbourne in Tomlinson and Langdon yep. who really impressed me both on both sides of the wings. Uh, all credit, I think, to the recruiting side to be able to um, fill that great big hole that we had in the wings area last year. Um, but uh, both of those really impressed me, and I think we'll be seeing, you know the full 17 games out of both of those in barring injuries. It was interesting when they, when we restarted our training, um, once, once the teams were allowed to start training initially in small groups, um, uh, there was one group, which was the core midfield group consisting of, uh, of Gorney, um, uh, Clary, uh, Petrarca, Brayshaw, uh, those guys, but also part of that group, were the two two wingmen uh, in Tomlinson and Langdon. So um, they're really, you know, uh, credit to, to the, the recruiting staff for getting those players in, and it seems that they're a big part of that engine um, engine group. So uh, yeah, I was wrapped with uh, with their games as well. Um, I was also um, I was happy with the little bit I saw of uh, Toby Bedford uh, as well. Um, happy with him. How do you see our um, our small forward? Did did we play Spargo in the first game? Yes, George. Yes, yeah. And I, I don't think he he lit the house on fire. So I, I just just it's interesting that we we've gone with three small forwards. Can you see that continuing? Uh, I would see Spargo coming out for Jones. Yeah, um, just as a. Not, not a like for like, but just forward in, forward out. Um, but obviously you've got the question about Bunnell as well uh, as to whether he yep. plays. And we will talk more about yeah. that when we talk about changes. But, yeah, uh, Bunnell into the mix. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good one uh, to look forward to as well. Um, a- anything else from either of you about uh, that game before we move on to, to other, other topics? No, I think we can forget that one <laughs> yeah. for the time being and, and just look ahead. I've already forgotten about it. <laughs> and the good thing is we got a top team at their own ground out of the way. With a with a 17-game season, um, you know, if we're going to be serious and beat up teams we should be beating up and contend with teams we should be contending against, uh, then a loss to a very good team that rarely loses on their home deck should be should be should should help us in the end that that's out of the way now. Uh, well, uh, I hope you haven't spoken too soon about us not playing, um, not playing in uh, Perth again because it was announced today. Well, I don't know if it's been announced, but it's you know the, the media has uh, hopped onto it that there will be Victorian teams that have to travel to WA in the next lot of games, and I can guarantee you, and we might talk about this later when we talk about the fixture. I guarantee you that uh, your Carltons, your Essendon's, your Richmond's, your Geelong's, um, 
your Collingwoods, none of those teams are going to have to travel to uh, to WA in the next lot of games, and I can guarantee you uh, we'll be on the, the short list, despite the fact that we've already played in Perth this year, we'll be on that short list of the Bulldogs, North Melbournes, um, that have to maybe St Kilda that have to travel to Perth uh, in the next lot of games. So that maybe that's just my MFCSS coming out, but um, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have thought so because I would have thought you would have to play both teams yeah. while you were yeah. there. So that probably gets us out of the out of it. Oh, you reckon we can't play West Coast and yeah. Frio? You reckon they're going to do a, a US sports uh, traveling uh, type of uh, deal? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I just think that if they're, if they're going to put people over there, then um, there's no if, – if it's only for one game, then who cares? Yeah, we'll yeah, play yeah. Frio and come back. I'd rather not do it, but it wouldn't be as bad as being stuck over there for so, two weeks. So it's a, it's sort of a mini-hub, a two-week mini-hub uh, type of thing, uh, poss- possibly. Yeah, I, I think yeah, – I, I, I agree. I think that'll be the easy solution for the AFL um, in, in terms of isolating people. So you, you go over there for two weeks, play Frio, then play West Coast. But, but at the end of the day, there's only going to be eight games over there. So um, the fortunate thing, I think, is that, that we've already played one there. So um, of all the teams that you name who are likely to be sent there, um, we should be at the bottom of that, of those that list in any case. Um, and, and just as likely that you know, the Collingwoods and the Carltons and the Estons, until we get crowds back, mm. there's no incentive for the AFL to do otherwise. So, But we can only wait and see. Um, We've all got uh, plenty of MFCSS um, <laughs> available to spend on it, and sure enough, we'll get shafted. Yes. Um, so this this whole pa- you know pandemic season, while we, there's been no football, um, I think a favourite pastime of uh, of the media that's still got jobs were, uh, were on social media was making best of lists. Uh, there were lots of lists going around. Um, Quite a few lists on Demonland as well, such as you know, best traded in and traded out, best Indigenous, best interstate recruits, most regrettable trades, uh, all those type of thing. I think every draft has been redrafted. Um, but Demonland, uh, we had our own uh, Demon Bracket uh, type competition, um, taking uh, taking your lead, uh, Super Mercado. Um, and uh, were any of you surprised with the results? Um, so what we did, we took the Herald Sun had a list of the best 20 uh, Melbourne players. Uh, I think they did it from like we did from 1988 uh, till now. Uh, they obviously did chose 1990 uh, 1988 so that Robert Flower <laughs> wouldn't uh, wouldn't factor in because he he would probably take the bickies in that competition contest. Um, so we took that, we added in another 12 uh, or so players to make a 32-player bracket. Um, any surprises? Uh, the Herald Sun had, uh, I think, Gary Lyon taking the bickies in that one, but our competition had uh, David Neitz uh, winning at uh, Super Mercado. Does that surprise you, you who are used to how voting goes with uh, these Melbourne things? Uh, did that surprise you? Uh, no, not at all. I think recency is going to going to go in anyone's favour in, in this case. But what I've also found is that the more votes you have in one of these competitions, the less likely there is to be an up to upset. Mm, yeah. I think that's why I've retired Dean Bracket <laughs> after this year because I'm a bit bored of about the last three or four years. Uh, the more votes we've had, the less chance there is of a, a fluke upset and you know a real surprise like Tom McDonald running the field to win it 
um, when he'd only played about 20 games. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't surprised at all with that vote. I would have always thought that the more recent uh, person would be more likely to win it. Uh, George, uh, your yeah, I think that's that's the overriding factor. And besides which, we've got a highly intelligent, skilled, qualified um, group of people on Demon Land. So the whatever comes out has to be the right answer, yeah? Well, it, 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 I'll stop you there because most of the votes, uh, I put this out on, on social media as well, so I had it going on Facebook, I had it on, on Twitter as well. Uh, obviously, we've got a, we've got a huge uh, a Facebook uh, following um, and so most of the votes actually did come from there. And, um, yeah, so that's where you got uh, your vote. So I guess if you, it's hard for me to know what the age demographic is there because there are a lot of younger people, obviously, but we've got our older contingent. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly the, the newer players uh, are not, not necessarily current because I think of current players, we just had Jonesy, uh, Gorn, and, um, and Clary was in there. Uh, but uh, Neats would would be one of the more recent ones uh, in there. And, uh, yeah, he, he took it out in the end. Yeah, and, and the danger with Twitter is uh, that you actually don't have to put any thought into what you're putting on, <laughs> on Twitter, So um, as proven by the President of the United States. So that might, might skew the voting a little bit. Well, I was happy that we didn't get fact-checked by uh, Twitter <laughs> with any of our... Uh... <laughs> um... But we were also blessed during this this time to to witness some of our our past glories. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any ultimate glory uh, on film <laughs> that we can watch. Um, but we did get to see quite a few uh, uh, of our our, our matches. Uh, we had uh, the eighty eight elimination final where we uh, beat West Coast in the in the dying minutes. Uh, the 1988 preliminary final was a great one, uh, beating Carlton to get into the granny. Uh, we got to see uh, uh, finally some good footage uh, rather than some grainy, um, grainy YouTube footage of uh, 19, Djakovic's 1991, his day out that he had against North Melbourne. Uh, kicking yeah, I eleven goals. That grainy YouTube footage. Well, there you go. I'm, I was hoping that I someone bought it off tape, off name a game, and converted it in a crappy VHS computer converter. So yes, I can. I, I understand why it was grainy. Do you still have that uh, VHS? I probably do somewhere. <laughs> I don't think I've thrown anything out. I've even got my signed Phil Reed playing card <laughs> too that uh, is in a frame and it used to sit at my front door until it fell off and the, the glass broke. But. I don't throw anything out these days. What we should all be very grateful, grateful to you then, uh, Super Mercado, for uploading the highlights of that game because that was one of the greatest single performances I've I've witnessed at the football. Actually, probably, yeah, probably um, only equaled by Farmer's efforts in the second half. Um, that, that was also brought up during this last couple of months as well. Yeah, we got to see that. <laughs> We got to see the the 1994 qualifying final against Carlton, the the, uh, the 1994 uh, the semi final uh, against uh, the Bulldogs, uh, where Gary Lyon kicked ten goals uh, in three quarters, uh, remarkably. Um, uh, you know the the ninety was it the ninety eight qualifying final against Adelaide. Um, uh, two two thousand qualifying final uh, against the Blues. That that's a great one. The the two thousand preliminaries fantastic. Um, 
such a high scoring. It's a, both teams scored well over a hundred points that game. Uh, you, you just don't see that uh, anymore. Um, and I think one of the other ones uh, that I watched was the 2006 elimination final against St Kilda. I think we came back from 30 points down or something. Uh, did you guys have a favourite of uh, any of that old footage? I, I loved the whole lot <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's what I've been doing for the last three months. <laughs> if, don't tell my wife about this. Huh? Um, but, yeah, it was intriguing. I don't think I was the only one. Um, I, I just had a look at some of the YouTube stats on the uh, 2018 final series against Geelong and Hawthorne. Um, because we don't watch the the, the preliminary final, um, and for both of those, there's been over ninety thousand views of the highlights, which is about the same number of people who are at the match themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll just keep on watching it, keep on watching it, and we win. We we won all those games, so it must must be a good result. My my favourite was that Carlton uh, two thousand final. Uh, I was very very fortunate. I didn't even know it was on TV till I saw someone mention it on Twitter and managed to get there just in time for the last quarter. I'm not sure how much they showed of it, uh, but that, but that is probably up there. Two thousand and eighteen finals aside, probably up there. My favourite games uh, of all time. Um, the way we we came back and and. We either got, I can't even remember, I only watched it about two weeks ago. They either got within a goal or got back. I think they might have got back in front mm. um, after we'd done the big comeback. And I remember I was sitting at the top of the Ponsford stand, but down the front for once. Uh, and I was absolutely having the nervous breakdown of the millennium um, when they got back in front. And they did get, yeah, they got back in front. And then we just whacked on two quick goals uh, and won it from there. But then you, you got like the iconic call of um, the, the Cameron Bruce goal uh, and just the, yeah, the game itself. Um, Anthony Ingerson was unreal in, yep. that, in that half they showed. Now, of course, well, the quarter that I saw, like he might have been terrible in the half <laughs> where we were going five goals behind. Um, but but what an unbelievably underrated player. And I re- really think that 98, 98, forget 99, even though it was mostly the same people, but the 98 to 2000 period um, are probably my favourite teams um, of all time, uh, to be honest. And you've got... You've got your 98s, obviously, you've got the players at the end of their career in 2000, you've got players at the start of their career, like um, you know, Bruce and, and Green, but just two really fun years to watch footy with one kind of weird crap, but not completely crap here in the middle. I actually... Isn't it amazing? Go isn't ahead. it amazing um, when you look at those games again to wonder how in the hell we did not win a premiership with the players in that side and how talented and skilled some of them were. Um, it's just just a sad sad time to have missed out on on the ultimate yeah. success. Didn't even make a finals the next year, and yeah. three years later we were winning five games. It's just yeah. that, that defies science. That period of that, how we could go from a grand final to missing the finals to effectively getting within where we should have made a prelim in '02 to winning five games in 03 to going back in the finals in 04. Like, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't stick wires and sensors on those seasons and get any scientific data about what the hell was happening there. It was just a bizarre time to be a supporter. Um, having watched quite a lot of, um, and not just the, the classic games that they replayed, I, I, uh, when, we were doing, when I was doing the uh, stuff for the best uh, Demon player uh, that we had um, going... I watched the uh, Demon Attack 1994. Um, there was 
was there a 98 version? Was that the hotter than, than hotter than hell? So I watched... Uh, Patreon comments from Todd Viney in his kitchen. Yes. <laughs> so there was a 94, 98, the 2000, there's a video, and there's a 2002 video um, yeah, as well. I, I found the cover of the 2002 one, but I've got no idea where the actual VHS is. I think it might have been mistakenly thrown out inside of VHS, which is an absolute shame. Well, don't worry. I have them all. I'm... I'm Going to uh, now that the company that made it no longer exists, I'm going to upload it. Uh, I've been meaning to. I'm going to upload it to YouTube, so you you'll get to watch it uh, in all its glory. Uh, you know, crappy VHS to to digital copy yes. glory. Oh, that's, that's all good. Well, I don't even remember a 2001. I don't know how I would have missed out on buying that at the time. Yeah, there de- definitely is. And if uh, you know what, I actually think I, I'm pretty sure I'm 98 percent sure I have two copies. So I'll get you one. You can have it. <laughs> what if I need two? I've already, I've, I've digitised it as well. So I'll, you've got one coming in the mail. Does this mean you've still got a VHF recorder, Andy? Well, th- funny you should mention that. So I actually have about five of them, of which only one of them works. And uh, <laughs> I, I, when I was putting all this together, I found one and the, I found one of my VHS uh the recorders and it actually had the 2000 um it no longer worked and it had the 2000 video in there so i had to take the 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 whole thing apart and manage to get it out unscathed so that was my bit of uh technical work <laughs> my perseverance yeah but you could have been in the same situation i had been if you just tossed that in the bin and lost the video in it well yeah i, I made sure because i thought uh i thought uh, uh my parents' wedding video was in there because it was a. <laughs> I was I was a few years ago digitizing all this stuff, so I was glad that it wasn't that. But I don't know. I think my dad would have been more upset about losing the two thousand uh, video. <laughs> um, so anyway, the lock the lesson of lockdowns was footy better uh, in those years, not just because uh, the D's were successful, but was the game better? Do you think in those days? Of having having seen footy played in those eras and today, I'd have to think that it was better in those days. But it was a different different type of game in those days as well. So you, you're sort of comparing apples and oranges. Um, the evolution of the game was uh, to where it is today was only ever going to happen as players became more athletic, more professional. Coaches became started to really look at the way the structures of the game were needed to be played um, in order to win games or more importantly not lose games so from a spectator point of view I think it was much better in those days from a player's perspective I think there's a a lot more um, uh, these days um, that a player has to know and be capable of delivering Uh, we don't we don't see the same level of scrubby kicks and and um, uh, that we did in the old days, so bit of bit of both. But whatever, what really doesn't matter whether it's good or bad or whatever. It's what we've got today, and we've mm. got to deal with that. And, um, uh, just just seeing footy again will be the good the good thing. So, and I think as much as the game gets talked down now, that you're almost treated like an idiot for watching it. Um, that that it does hold up still really well. Like if you if you're going to watch nine games a week and expect every single one of them to be the 1989 Grand Final, then you're going to go home disappointed. Uh, but as much as I would, if you gave me the option, would rather have 
the 2000, which is usually, it's, it's usually when you were young um, and that you think footy was at its best. Some people will think it was at its best in the 80s. Some people will think the 90s. Some people will think to the 2000s. And in 20 years, there'll probably be people who think the game now is the best they ever saw it. Uh, but I think the game still holds up really well to the point where we don't need to tear it apart and uh, inject spectacle um, into every vein of it and just cop the fact that there are going to be dud games just like there was then. Uh, um, we don't see, they don't put fantastic footy flashbacks of you know, um, Brisbane Bears versus Sydney from 1991 uh, for, on for a reason. Um, and they don't put uh, a lot of our games on for a reason, even in eras where we were great. They were probably, you know, not high, not that high scoring a game. I think that the best games are still fantastic, and the worst games, well, you've got a remote control. Press press the channel selector and go to another channel. On, on a, as another question, what do you think about the umpiring in the old games compared to today? Well, certainly, uh, certainly different <laughs> back then. I think they let a lot of things uh, just go. Um, you know, players would get absolutely mauled, and it would wasn't even the call of play on. It was just yeah, well, <laughs> it was just play on. <laughs> but but I think yeah. the umpiring evolved even more than anything else because if you look at the the numbers of free kicks in the seventies and the eighties, they're just astronomical. Like the, the amount of frees that players are getting, I think our, the most we ever had a player get against them in one game was 10 or 11 frees against in one game. Uh, and a, most games you'll see, if you just compare them, side, like there is a, a, just an enormous amount of frees. And then it looks like in the 80s and the 90s, it went downhill, probably because the umpires weren't expected to interpret a rule book um, that was more complicated than a Boeing 747 flight instruction. Uh, but... It, it seems they really did a correction there to, to put the whistle away, which, again, I'll just, ta- I'll just take whatever we're given, um, but I would prefer to, to um, dumb down the rules a bit just so it's not as complicated and they're not, they're not searching for things to ping people for, but I think they almost use that as a, an excuse to bust congestion these days. Um, one, one of the, I recall a couple of weeks ago on Demoland, someone had started a thread just talking about the, the years, um, if, while we're talking about the, 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 the past, uh, you know, 20 years or so, uh, even uh, the past 30 years going back into the nineties, uh, the, the chances that we had for, for premiership glory, I think the years, uh, it was a 94, I guess, uh, I guess the '98 team and the 2000 team. Um, were we ever a real? What's which? Which team was the best? Because '94 team, we we had some. You, you were talking about the two, uh, '98 to 2000 before, but I think the '94 team uh, was an extremely talented team, and uh, if we were able to get all of them on the park at the same time, um, perhaps we could have uh, gone all the way. Yeah, well, I think, look, it's, it's what you remember best. Like, I, I barely remember 94 and I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, that's why I think. I think 98, it was a, a team on its last legs, but with some good new players. You know, your, your Rigonis, your McDonald brothers, your Wodens were, were coming up at that point. But I, I think it was probably fair where we got knocked out um, in 98. It was very terrifically unlucky to run into the best team of a generation mm. in 2000 uh, just like we did in 90 in 88 uh, I think the one to me I always look at seasons where there was no standout best team 
Uh, and I think 2004 is the one that really annoys me because we were top of the ladder after about round 17, didn't win another game, um, got beaten in a thriller by Essendon in that elimination final. And there really wasn't a great standout team that year. I reckon if we'd beaten Essendon that day, um, we would have had a reasonable shot uh, at winning the next. I think we would have played Geelong the next week. But that was a final series that we could have got on a roll and gone through. Whereas 2000, two awesome finals, then you run into the, the powerhouse team. Uh, and I think 98, we were probably... I don't think we would have had the same luck against Adelaide the second time mm. around. Um, so, yeah, no, 94. Yeah, look, I think, again, that was probably a team that was had stretched as far as it could, 2018 style. They just stretched yeah. it all the way and then they fell apart at the end. So the one that really annoys me is 04 because I reckon, yeah, one, if we got up in that Essendon final, then we would have had um, every possible chance of getting on a roll. George? Yeah, t- totally agree with all that. Um, I don't think there was uh, any chance whatsoever in 2000. I think that was. I think Essendon only lost one game for the whole season. Yeah. Um, in, in in that year, um, we were just the uh, uh, the sacrificial lambs, as it turned out in that in that final. Um, not 94 and 98. Uh, I think we've for a lot of finals and the same with 2004 that Super Mercado has alluded to, um, you just got to take your opportunities and sometimes it's just a bit of, bit of luck, um, who you've got to play on the day, the injuries that you've got. Um, finals are, are just another um, another sort of uh, series that, that you've got to work your way through and um, uh, the best thing is to get there and, and hope because any team that gets to the finals is usually certainly the top end of the finals has usually uh, got the talent to win, but um, there's, there's not all that many standout teams, as he, as he said, and you've just got to, in those years that there aren't the standout teams, you've got to make use of your chances and opportunities. So at the end of the day, we didn't win any of them. So. Alternatively, in a very non-Melbourne-esque way, you could be the standout team, but I don't expect uh, there's that many people left who remember when they could say that about a Melbourne Mm. Um, well, I think the good thing about uh, me watching all these uh, videos uh, and digitising them, I was able to get um, 35 minutes of, of the ox and uh, compile that into to a video. Uh, did either of you guys happen to watch uh, watch that video that I posted, uh, which you can, can find on, on Demonland? Uh, if you go to our YouTube page, uh, type in uh, 35 minutes of the ox <laughs> and uh, you should be able to find it. Uh, it's great viewing and that that's only footage from 94, 98, uh, 2000 and did he still, was he still there 2002? I think he might have. He might retired early 01. Okay, so I'm not sure if he's in that but anyway, I got, so we didn't get any footage and I can't find any footage of baby ox with the long hair. Um, if anyone's got got footage of that, uh, when he was really uh, great, he was a, such a, a great young talent. But he was amazing. Um, I think I've got the game where he kicks eight or nine against Sydney on DVD somewhere. So I'll have to see if I yeah, that's that's not that's ninety four. I've got that as well. That's when he kicked nine straight against uh, Sydney. I've got on that video. Um, it's got all nine goals. Um, yeah, he was kicking yeah, he them was, from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, one of the probably 
who I'd classify as one of the probably five or six greatest uh, talented players to play for the club ever. Um, and it's just a pity that his uh, knees weren't capable of taking him to the levels that he was possibly going to achieve. Um, I was lucky to, back in the old days when there used to be um, under-19s and reserves games before the, uh, the main game, I turned up at a couple of under-19s games and I saw this young blonde-headed kid and you just knew he was going to be something really serious but even when he was that age. Um, just fantastic talent and, and just football smarts. Yep. And, um, right from the very start, it wasn't, you know, there's no development needed. He already had the whole lot when he was 18 years of age and he was quickly promoted through the system to get into the senior side. But yeah, what could have been, which is, um, as Supermercado said a few times, very Melbourne-esque, you know, <laughs> probably one of these greatest talents that we've had. And we've had a few like Jakovic and Jara over the years, the, the talent that we've had with these individuals and it's never been totally realised. Um, but a great player to watch. Fantastic. Uh, that he was. Um, so I guess uh, I guess we'll move move on uh, from the from memory lane and uh, get stuck into just uh, the past couple of weeks. Uh, we had um, the D's in the time of uh, COVID had Maxi's hairstyle. Uh, what do you guys uh, think of that? Uh, in particular, I mean the non-story of uh, of Craig. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Craig Hutchinson uh, making a big deal over um, over Maxie's hair. I thought that was just ridiculous. Uh, Super Mercado thoughts on that? Well, the thing with with Hutchie and and Kane Corns and basically anyone who has any involvement with Sen is that you just have to understand that's their whole business is is audio clickbait and yep. computer clickbait because not only do they have the radio station they want people to listen to, they've got a website that they put the most baffling, made-up, stupid controversies, lists that have obvious, you know, talk about me factor uh, in the hope that people will click them uh, and that's what will get things going. So I take nothing said by those people seriously in the slightest and now I'm sure someone will go back and look on Twitter where I've arced up against (laughs) what one of them has said. But I think in this case it was just a a case of thank you, Craig, please move on. Um, Your opinion is not noted. I do. I do. I totally. Go ahead, George. Yeah, totally agree with all that. And and they're not the only journalists in the system who are coming up with ridiculous um, statements to try and generate some either clickbait or conversation. Um, the fact is, there hasn't been any football going well, on to, to to talk about. So they've got to think up something else to keep themselves relevant and in a job, perhaps. Well, that's that's the thing. Uh, during this time when there there really wasn't anything to talk about, uh, we didn't even know whether footy would return, and uh, any scarret of information uh, they would just sort of throw under a, a microscope. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a little silly one. I, I actually love Maxie's hair. I, I would love to see it during the season. I, I'm told by a reliable source uh, that it'll be gone though by uh, by round two. So I uh, don't think we're going and to who, see. Who might that reliable uh, source be? Could have, could have been the horse's mouth, but uh, maybe he's changed his mind uh, since then. Um, uh, the other one, uh, anyone following uh, Brayshaw's uh, onions on uh, Instagram? Uh, he really got stuck into the Barbie onions uh, in um, during uh, the lockdown, 
and um, yeah, I thought that that was a nice, fun uh, thing to do. Um, also enjoyed viewing uh, Nev and Cozzy living together and would actually watch a, uh, a, a reality series of the two living together, The Odd Couple, uh, but it was nice to see uh, Nev taking Cozzy under his wing. Yeah, we're really getting desperate, aren't we? <laughs> Um, Mind you, I don't think the Melbourne Football Club's exclusive to that. It's looking at a few other websites on other, from other clubs. A similar sort of stuff is going on, but uh, uh, as of this weekend, it'll all be forgotten, I suspect. Um, and and talking about uh, the return of footy, um, so what do you, what do you reckon uh, footy's going to look like uh, now? We've got uh, shorter quarters. Um, we've got the sixteen minute quarters. Uh, 17 games this year. We've already played once the 16 remaining games. If we can get through the whole season, which I think we will, um, is this year is it is it an asterisk year? Um, does the team that wins the grand final this year forever going to be an asterisk? Is it going to be looked at um, as as undeserving? A lot of clubs have come out and said, no, that's not the case. In fact, it's even, you know, we've had to go through more hardships uh, this year, so it's going to mean more. But how do you think it's going to be viewed uh, by history, uh, Super Mercado? I don't agree at all. I think whoever wins will still be a valid premier unless the whole thing's reduced to a five-game season or something like that, which doesn't look like it's going to be now. Uh, I think that by playing everyone once, that's probably the minimum... Uh, you need for legitimacy. Uh, and if you're going to start putting asterisks on things where well, you can wipe out our 1900 flag where we won from six out of eight, you can wipe <laughs> out the Fitzroy flag where they finished last yes. and still won it. You can wipe out all the flags won while Geelong wasn't in the league in, in um, during the Second World War. I think it's you, you get into a slippery slope if you're going to try and judge what's a legitimate season and what's not a legitimate season unless there is such an obvious disconnect to what we usually watch, i.e. them playing it under AFLX rules over one weekend <laughs> or something like that. I think what we've got now, uh, I don't like the shorter quarters. I'm only taking the shorter season just based on the fact that they have to do that. Um, but I think whoever wins will still have come through. They'll have played every team in the comp. They'll still have won the same finals uh, setup that we have every year. So I'm quite comfortable uh, with that. with that being a legitimate premiership. Uh, George, legitimate. Yeah, 17, side, 17 teams will think there's an asterisk against this year and one team won't. So um, if you're the, the, the team, and it might be ours, um, if we win the premiership this year, great, we've won the premiership. That's all that matters. Um, and I don't care about what anybody else thinks. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I, th- I think the um, I think it'll be interesting from a player perspective and, and the way the games will be played, I think we'll see, uh, because there are only 17 rounds, um, you're going to get into finals with eight, nine wins, effectively, if the finals are played in the in the usual format. Um, so winning, winning games, particularly early on, is going to be absolutely critical. Um, we're already one behind um, half the sides in the competition. Um, but with shorter shorter uh, quarters as well, I think the games are actually going to be quite frantic. Um, 
you're going to have to play absolutely flat out all the time for every single player because the other thing that every player is facing, you know, in our situation with a list of potentially 40 as of this weekend, um, 30, uh, 18 players are not going to play football the following uh, during the week. Um, so there's pressure to perform on the ground and uh, individually, if you don't, there's uh, someone who's going to walk into your spot very, very quickly. So um, I think we're going to see a, a much more frantic sort of football and a lot, lot more concentrated sort of football. I think we might see some exciting, really, truly exciting football. But the other thing that I think people need to be aware of is um, with only um, uh, 17 total games and potentially eight or nine to get into the finals, percentage is going to be critical um, come you know, to, for, the, for those last couple of places. It's, it's going to be right on the edge for a couple of teams. So when, you, when you're coming up to, against teams that are lower down on the ladder than you, you need to be winning by big margins because... Um, you might be find yourself in the situation of fighting for that last spot in the eight for with five or six other sides um, right up to the very end. So I think it'll be interesting, um, interesting uh, football over the next uh, 16 weeks or so. I agree that I think at first it will be more attacking and more frantic, but I think A, the coaches won't let that happen for more than a few weeks at a time. They'll, they'll put the clamps in it. And I think with the short and last quarter, even though it's only four minutes less, I reckon there's going to be some absolute dud last quarters where teams are sitting on four or five goal leads and just go out and basically run the clock down uh, for the whole quarter. And from my perspective, because I hate the 16-minute quarters with a passion, I hope that does happen to the point where people say we can't possibly have 16-minute quarters. But uh, I just think that that's something, it, it's going to be a lot of time-wasting uh, in the last quarter and a lot of kicking the ball around um, to, to run the clock down, knowing that you've got that four minutes less for the other team to make a comeback. Mm. Andy, what do you think? Um, yeah, I... Um, look, I, I'm not a, not a fan of the 16 minutes. I, I don't know why they can't just... I don't know why they're not just doing the regular time. Um, I, I, I don't see a point to the 16 minutes, but... That's the that's what it is. So that's what it is. I'm more concerned about how not having crowds at the game uh, is, is not so much from a, a viewer's point of view. I think that it's it's not great. Uh, the, the artificial crowd noises and all that and the excitement. I felt that the the round one games felt a bit soulless. Um, and I'm just wondering how that's going to be at the ground um, where. Um, I mean, it can work in your favour, it can work against you, but um, sometimes you need, when you've got that momentum, you do need the crowd and uh, that, you know. But I guess, look, both teams are going to be affected by that. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I think you do, if you look at the first round, you had Carlton m mounted a, a reasonable comeback from a terrible position. Yep. They were never going to win, but they did, and then North um, did a comeback against St Kilda. So... Yes, I, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, I think in those certainly the Norths and Kilda one, um, they got on the roll. They didn't. They didn't need that extra push over the edge to make that comeback. And, and personally, look, personally, I don't speak. I don't speak like this is the correct way to think. But I did not even notice at our game. Five minutes in, I was so focused on the game. Yeah. And the other games, it just didn't affect me to be honest. But 
I do understand that some people that is such an important part of the game that I'm not suggesting we just play behind closed doors for the rest of time. But but I think there's there is there are some people like me, probably weird people, <laughs> that just didn't really mind it at all. Um, I just. Um... I was just, just as you were saying it, um, I think during our game, I, I, I agree with you, I, I, didn't, I didn't notice it during our game as much, but I did notice it when I wasn't invested in the game. Um, I noticed it in you know, the first game, obviously, because we were paying so much attention to it because <laughs> I've never seen a game with no crowd uh, barring you know, some local footy game, but even there you've got uh, people there. Um, but... Yeah, I, I I think I noticed it more with the games that I didn't have a vested interest in. Uh, when it's our game, I was sort of focused on on what was and, happening. And I understand if you're the broadcaster, you, you want you don't want that, and that's why they they're going to put their hair dried on MP3 noise under the <laughs> under the footy and and give us some fake crowd noise to hopefully in a way that. And if you if, if you've seen any of the NRL games, it's actually not that bad. So if that's what gets Channel 7 happy, gets them writing the checks, gets them keeping all the teams alive, then I'm willing to cop that, um, even though I personally don't think it's necessary. And I really hope that Fox either has a press read or go to another channel for the normal game. Uh, and I would really like Channel 7 uh, the same way to have it on a second channel so you can watch it either with the gimmicks or without the gimmicks, depending on whatever makes you comfortable. Uh, what I haven't watched any of the NRL. Uh, is it just uh, white noise or crowd white noise in the background, or is there? Does it does it uh, sort of rise and fall? Like if someone's attacking, does does the yeah. crowd sort of get up into a crescendo? When <laughs> and what happens when yeah. a try score? The fake or, crowd reacts, but it yeah. reacts. It, it's like it, it's so um, minimal in the background that it it, it does get. It, a bit annoying by the end of the game, I must say, but it's really at an inoffensive level that you almost wonder what the point is. Um, but again, if that's what keeps the broadcasters who are writing the checks and keeping everyone alive happy, that's fine. Um, but to me, I, I expect I tuned into the first NRL game expecting to go bananas and say this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever been involved with. Uh, I thought they were going to, you know, make I thought they were going to make it sound like. Um, Hulk Hogan had just body slammed Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3 and 90,000 people were screaming and all that. But they really just, they barely turn it up even when there's a try. So I don't see the point, but it's so inoffensive in that context uh, that I'm not as worried about it as I was when it was first announced in the AFL context. It's probably probably pretty close to what the NRL crowd sounds like in any case if they get ten or 15,000 people along. Well, I'd be interested to know where they got their sounds from. Did they go to, like, you know, Game Sounds or Us or you know, um, Audio Audio Jungle or something like that and just download crowds.mp3 and then mix mm. them all up? Uh, I know the AFL, well the, the AFL was uh, one of the reports was saying they were working with people from Hollywood on it. And it was like, that's just, that, that's got junket written all over it. They're just lining it up. We're, at the moment we can get on a junket to America, we're going over to over there even if we don't need the sound anymore and let's just waste some money so again maybe they consider it an investment they pay whatever to the hollywood people to give them the sound and yeah channel seven's happy channel seven writes the checks we don't get screwed on the broadcast deal players get played players get paid all the clubs survive we forget this ever happened in a few years we laugh about it in a few years time 
Well, I think that they um, they they probably need if they're going to have it for the rest of the year. Maybe they won't need it once crowds can come in. But I think they need to, to – it can't just be sort of background noise. I think it has to react. Maybe they need a DJ who knows not to play music but to, to be able to to react to what's happening um, sort of in real time because you'd think if it's a close game um, in the last quarter and they're kicking for go- – you know, someone's on the run kicking for goal, it's got to be a bit more fever-pitched. Um, then just some background noise. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully it's not too long. Uh, there was a Channel 7 clip with them showing an example and Richmond kicked a goal and it barely got over the enthusiasm of a Sheffield Shield crowd <laughs> when someone gets a 50. So it, it wasn't, yeah, like I said, it was so inoffensive. that I, That's the point where I just kind of started to think, well, who cares? Uh, but the thing, you can't judge it entirely off the NRL because the NRL is obviously a game where usually team is going in one direction at the line yeah, yeah. the other team's trying to stop them coming at the line mm. whereas afl is just such a 360 well, game are they going to press like you know ball broad to dot mp3 when the ball runs out of bounds and it's a deliberate or they yeah. gonna press the ball button what about booing <laughs> booing at umpires yeah. after a bad decision yeah and then the dj hits the wrong button and you <laughs> boo the wrong player and it comes a big scandal and yeah uh, i'll be interested to see how it happens and also if you've got these games where you've got 2,000 people at a game, um, sure, by the sounds of it, they're all going to be in corporate boxes, so it's probably not going to hear them anyway. But do we get that point where you've got, you've got a few hundred or a few thousand people making real noise and then you've got this fake noise at the same time? It'll be interesting to see how they handle it then. Well, I'll be filthy if they, uh, if they allow people into a finals or grand finals, but if they're only accepting corporates, I'll be, I'll be filthy. But I guess they've got to make their money back somehow. But um, so artificial crowd noise. What about uh, the virtual fans? Uh, <laughs> would you uh, would you uh, pay to have your cardboard cutout uh, sitting in uh, row MM of uh, <laughs> the, the Southern Stand, oh, I, the Ponswood Stand? I probably would only if I could like pixelate my face out. And <laughs> I, I'd be more likely to put someone else's face on it for comedy value which I think has been done a few times over the last couple of weeks in the NRL at the low, low price of $22. Get your mates' photos in an awkward pose and get them up at the ground. But, uh, yeah, I, I would rather see cardboard cutouts than them trying to do some Hollywood extravaganza where they put a, a digitised crowd in the seats, which was spoken about at one point. Well, surely they know. could do that. Would it look... Would I, it I, don't look silly? I don't know. Like, I'm sure they could because they do it with ads. But I guess ads are a flat... Yeah, sort yeah. Of, you know, square rectangle sort of thing. Whereas, whereas people is harder. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the crowd of a one of those AFL video games, yeah, yeah. you certainly <laughs> wouldn't let you certainly wouldn't let those people do it. <laughs> um, but, but again, look, I find the sound is bad enough, um, especially when the when the zooms out and you see there's nobody in the stands. When it's a tight shot on the players on their own, um, for instance, in the NRL, you do kind of. I actually had to look up at first the first game I watched. Like, is this fake noise or is it just the noise of all the people on the benches and the coaches mm. and everything because it was so inoffensive but then kind of when they zoom out and there's a entirely empty stadium insert nrl gag here <laughs> it is more disconcerting whereas our game so much of our game is the wide shot that it will look weird but i think it would look weirder if the crowd looked like the you know crowd from um you know the afl 98 video game um how so, what 
Go ahead, how, how, would, how would you go if there was a cardboard cut, cut out in uh, row MM in the uh, Ponsford stand? Uh, yeah, the, the, fortunately, the cameras never go up there anyway, <laughs> which is much to my advantage most years when I'm punching the seat and headbutting the wall and stuff like that. So I, I would almost be prepared to put my cardboard cut out up there in the, uh, in the safe in the knowledge that still no one's going to see my face. <laughs> and somebody would also have to cart it up there and collect it, which, is, which would be amusing. Could leave it there for you next week. That's true. I could leave it there for when we start playing games again. I could swing it around my head when I get upset about something and possibly ping it towards the ground and get chucked out again. Uh, how worried uh, are you boys with our financial situation at the moment? Um, uh, uh, presidents come out uh, the other week, uh, said uh, to the somewhere to the tune of six to ten million uh, we could be in the hole, going back to the AFL cap in hand as are obviously few, quite a few other clubs, uh, if not most of them. Um, are we, how, how bad, I mean, are we in danger of not existing? What's, uh, how worried are you guys, uh, George? Um, finances are one of my love in life. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, I think we're in the same position as probably... Uh, 12 to 14 of the other clubs in the competition. Um, I'm not greatly concerned about the fact that effectively the AFL is loaning us the money. Um, I would imagine that it's uh, at a negligible interest rate in any case. Um, this is all designed to make sure that um, uh, clubs remain functional and it's in the AFL's interest um, for their existence to make sure that the clubs do stay um, playing and, and operating so that they can sell a product to the broadcasters who pay for, you know, the operation of the whole shebang. Um, um, the, the real concern for the club, I think, is around the loss of good people during this period of time and all, all, the, all the clubs are in the same boat for this except for the few who've chosen not to take up the AFL um, offer is that you, you're losing assistant coaches, you're losing physio staff, you're losing administrative staff and um, we, we might start to see the effects of that not just now but into the future. So less, I'm less worried about the, the borrowings. Um, it, it'll make sure that the club survives. Um, it'll make sure that the competition survives. Uh, we're very fortunate um, that the AFL had the money to be able to draw from the banks as a result of the collateral that they've got on uh, Marvel Stadium, um, we're in a much better position as a competition than the NRL who were absolutely utterly um, dependent on getting a new broadcast deal up and running right there and then, or they could well have folded very, very quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing um, given that the club spent you know, the last couple of years trying to reduce the debt, but we're in the same boat as a lot of other clubs who were trying to reduce their debt or very close to doing it. And, and now suddenly find that you've probably got you know, another three, four, five years of, of trying to claw back um, the repayments of those debts. But yeah, hopefully there's not the, the longer-term effects um, within the club um, and the way that it operates. Um, yeah. And I think the, the financial side, I mean, it's something that I've been concerned about for many years, um, if, if we even just take the period after we were bailed out by the AFL, um, when, we, when we increased our commitment to the Northern Territory, when we 
um, the Salter Pokies, one of the Pokies venues, uh, and and are now getting out of Pokies entirely. I think that I'm not concerned. I'm concerned about the losses, but I'm not concerned about the future because it's come to a point where the AFL has got money in the bank, and presumably we think they, they want to save everyone and save them in their current um, environment. Uh, but I think even then we're probably not to not to you know, talk down the future of any other club, but I think we're ahead of a couple of clubs. Um, if it came down to someone's moving to someone's moving to Tassie, uh, I don't think that would be us. So I think that we should be all right, as George said. You know, whatever the AFL's um, whatever the AFL's lending us, it's not going to be paid back. They're not going to call in the receivers and now Rue Fitzroy style on us. Uh, so I think it's it is a shame that we'll go backwards financially, uh, but I, I think that because everyone else is in the same situation, it's not anything to be completely worried about. It's probably about five, 10 years down the track. Um, make sure that what we, the way we emerge from this, we emerge in a decent way. We don't sort of scratch our way through this and then see, you know, a St Kilda or a North Melbourne or someone like that do a Hawthorne of the 2000s and suddenly rocket past us uh, and drop us back down the, the pecking order um, financially within the league. I thought it was uh, good to see, I think, even just once this pandemic sort of uh, uh, was unleashed, uh, we did sign up, um, uh, and I don't know if these things were were in the works already, they probably were, Uh, Red Bull came on board and uh, Furfy Beer. Uh, been added as sponsors, so uh, I guess that's a that's a good thing. Uh, maybe bad timing on their part, but um, yeah. So uh, that was good to see. Um, so I guess we'll we'll move on to to more recent things. Um, we had a match simulation uh, on the on the weekend. Um, George, you're obviously uh, not able to get down to to Casey to to do training reports. Um, but um, we were lucky that uh, afl.com.au were down there as well as um, a new Demonlander, um, Lever 08, uh, went down and um, provided us with some uh, information on that game. So it's good to see that uh, we, we are still getting some, uh, non, uh, some unfiltered information coming out of uh, training sessions, in particular the match sim on the weekend. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult difficult to judge, you know, from a couple of minutes of of uh, a film about the the simulation. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the highlights for uh, kids from the next draft who've never, never seen a bad one. Um, but uh, I think the the concern for me with the, even with a simulation was, um, and and you're playing against you know, to use the Kevin Sheedy. Uh, term it's like dancing with your sister mm-hmm. um, you're playing against teammates and you rarely see the good defenders sitting on the on the good forwards and vice versa because you have to split it up into two two teams um, across the ground so I don't know that you get any any real insights apart from perhaps individual type performances um, we saw a bit of little bit of Benel. Um it was good to see Vandenberg out there again um, what was actually happening on the forward line, I don't know. What was happening in the back line, I don't know. Um, so, But at least they're out there. Um, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that um, half of those players, again, won't be playing VFL uh, this weekend. So 
match simulation is going to be about the only um, uh, chance that they get to show their wares and, and um, unless scratch matches can be organised against other hub teams in the, in the future. But uh, to date, there's been no, no further noise on that. Yeah, there will hear a mention on the news of a curtain raiser against Carlton. Um, some kind right. of scratch match there. I don't know where they're going to get the players from if they can't use Casey players. So I don't know if it's going to be some sort of, you know, 10 on 10. Yeah, I think it would have to be It'd have to be some type of match simulation, but not um, obviously full full teams. Um, like one of those pre-season games where yeah. they sort of just yeah, stop it halfway through and move everyone around. Yeah. We played one against Collingwood a few years ago. They'll have to come up with, with something uh, that way because you need – those guys need to have – uh, some type of run, I guess. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, they need to show that for a lot of the players, they need to be able to show their wares. You know, how, yeah. how do we really know how well someone like a Jackson, for example, is is capable of playing unless he actually plays? So, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's it's fine to have training sessions, but you know, how does he go against when he when he's matched against someone's? Uh, you know, if he's playing a forward, how, how how well do we know he plays against a serious backman? Yeah, until he actually does. So um, it's it's difficult. Um, but yeah, if they've got the scratch matches up, that's at least a part of the way there. Let's, and um, we might get to the pity is that we won't get to see any of them. I suspect. I don't think they're going to start televising that component of the match. No, def- definitely not. Um... You won't see any of that unless you're one of those lucky three people that might get to go to the the games in the in the next few weeks. Uh, I'll just read out a quick um, one. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say one thing I got from the scratch match report as well is that Joel Smith is now a defender again. Yeah, you know, I, sort of, that uh, was just randomly out of nowhere. He's suddenly a defender again. No, I'm... I don't understand. Given that we're talking again about a forward line that doesn't have. That just lacks something down there. I don't know if Fridge might have just knocked him out of, of a position, but I really liked that game where he kicked four against Brisbane last year, and then we potentially ran him into the ground and didn't see him again for the rest of the year. I thought he looked really good as a forward there, so I was hoping he would get a go there, but uh, we probably will throw him down there at some point this year. Well, he did kick in that game you were talking about. He did kick a couple of goals on one leg, so yeah, he did all right now. Um, George, that, means, that makes them worth one and a half. <laughs> George, correct me if I'm wrong. We, we sort of knew this in the preseason based on track watchers like yourself uh, recognizing that he was playing, he was trading as a backman pretty much uh, well the whole of the preseason. And I think we knew that um, Petty was forward and um, and Smith was back. Is it, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's correct. Although Petty was uh, injured for a, yes. for a fairly large portion of of the uh, preseason as well, unfortunately. Uh, yes, and Joel Smith was too. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they played uh, four 25-minute quarters, no time on, lots of swapping of players between the two teams. Uh, Lever, Proust, Petty, uh, KK and Nitschke are the only five who didn't play. Um, now, Lever's an interesting one because they say that he is going to play uh, this week. He wasn't named, and we'll talk about it later in the in the injury report today, but I did. someone had posted on one of the Facebook groups a uh, picture that I think maybe Melbourne had put on maybe their Instagram story but then I didn't see it later so maybe they took it off their Instagram story where Lever's knee was heavily bandaged in ice um, so I don't know what that's all about um, or when that picture was taken uh, 
don't know anything about that. So that'll be one to watch. Uh, uh, Lever 08 said that May start. He was BOG easily. Uh, Benel played all four quarters, first half on the ball, second half on the half forward flank. Uh, he said Spargo did some great things. I'm not always a fan, but he looked uh, at the level today. Uh, Fritch was our, was the best forward. Uh, Joel Smith will be close to selection either if Lever doesn't come up or instead of OMAC. This is this guy's opinion. Uh, he rates Sparrow highly, head-to-head with Viney all game and not a backward step taken, which I like because I'm a big fan of Sparrow. I'd like to see him uh, go on. Uh, no injuries during the game. Uh, Rivers and Hibbard uh, were in a showdown for the final halfback uh, spot. Both played well today. Uh, don't expect to see uh, any of the two Wagners or Baker early in the season. Uh, they look like the last in line depth players to me. But I, I don't know. I think the <laughs> I think the coach is a fan of um, the Wagners, so <laughs> we might see them. Uh, actually, think uh, Bradkey showed he can play twenty percent better than his Casey twenty nineteen form. Uh, goal kicking, which you'll love uh, to hear this, Super Mercado is an issue, but expect it will be for all 18 clubs next weekend till the season gets into its rhythm. Uh, one step ahead. <laughs> Hunt looks out of favour. Uh, this guy's biggest take is get Brayshaw on for a return to form, played with no helmet and moved and hunted the ball like it was 2018 again. So, yeah, that's it. That. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Dancing. And, and back to the back to the Joel Smith situation. Um, while he was being touted for the back line, we already know perhaps that he can play forward uh, as well. And it's nice to have that sort of athletic versatile player because perhaps if if Lever doesn't come up this week, could not quite Joel Smith. I would have thought would have been a, a a natural replacement for him. But if we've got someone lacking in the forward line, if Wiedemann doesn't come up, then uh, Joel Smith can go forward as well, so um, I think it's it's nice to have those those sort of players um, capable of playing at both ends. But um, I, I agree with, with what Super Mercado was saying before. When you look at our backline, if they're all fit, fit and uh, running, um, we don't actually have any spare spaces down there. But we've got some spaces up forward which uh, need to be filled with some decent players. Um, so we had an injury b- report uh, come out today. Um, uh, the takeaway was that uh, Hoare is injured. And uh, how, m- how many weeks did they say he was out for? Was it? Uh, I think I, th- I think six to eight. Yeah. It was a broken bones in the foot from Pickett landing on his foot, probably from jumping at 10 foot into the air onto it or something. So, um, so that's uh, that's that's not uh, not great for him. Um, it opens a, a, out for a few weeks as well. Yeah, Bruce has got the oh, Achilles. That that's separate to what he had a knee injury, didn't he? Yep. Uh, going in, yep. so that's yep. something new. Um, and Petty as well. Is Petty still from preseason, or is this something new? Because I, th- I think it was. I thought it was something new. So I he he'd rec- had sufficient time to recover from. Yeah. The preseason, but. and he was showing as the dreaded indefinite mm. on the list. So, um, yeah, a couple of these things. Uh, I think Petty might just be again, and one of those players that we have that are just always sort of injured. I think, um, unfortunately, we seem to we seem to know how to pick these guys. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think he showed, he showed plenty in, in his. Uh, 
uh, every time we've seen him so far. Uh, but yeah, it certainly seems to be the case that it takes some of these younger players a couple of years to get up, you know, get their bodies right. You know, I think James Harms was probably the classic example of that. You know, it was in and out and probably going nowhere. And all of a sudden when he hit that 23, 24 stage, um, the body suddenly is, is in the right shape for AFL footy and you get to see something. But yeah, it's really, it's a real pity when you see the, the likes of Smith and Betty um, just constantly injured. Yeah. Uh, changes uh, round two. Um, uh, well, Salem and Jones didn't play uh, in round one. So Salem had pulled out, uh, I think, last minute. Um, uh, I think you'd think both of those come in. So, um, and then there's um, uh, Goody said that he'd love to play. He's tempted to play Bennell. I, I I can't see him playing it for some reason. I don't know. I just can't see him. I don't know whether it's having the balls to play him or or what. Uh, do we play him? What what happens there? Do we roll the dice? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, given that there's only 16 games to go, how many games do you not play him? Um, if he's fit, why wouldn't you play him? Um, and there's no resis for him to, to get form. And there's no, yeah, to sh- and to, to show it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really difficult position. But it, ultimately, you have to put faith in Darren Burgess and his assessment of where he's at in terms of uh, his his overall recuperation. Um, originally, they were saying he might be available. This was in the pre-season stage when we first uh, signed him on, that he might be available by mid-year. Well, we're now at mid-year yeah. and, he has, and he hasn't missed a beat. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, if it was a normal season, we would normally be playing him. Yes, I don't know. Um, so that, that'll be a really interesting uh, uh, proposition for the selection committee this week. Um, any other left field uh, stuff like for forward line? Like, do we go the talls? Do we go in? Does Jackson come in? Uh, do we give him a go? See what uh, what's happening there, or, or wait a bit? It's it's really hard because we don't have the resis and we don't know what the scratch match is going to look like. It's really hard to yeah. How do these like you said? How do these guys uh, you know prove themselves? Yeah, look, I, I guess I'm going to be more conservative um, for now, but there are a lot of players bubbling under. Um, Jackson, Trent Rivers, Bennell, um, yeah, we've got a lot of Wiedemann. There, there is a lot of depth. Uh, how, how it works when, when it's on the field is another matter entirely, but on paper we've got a lot of depth. Um, so, look, I would probably have Jones and Salem for Spargo and Oscar McDonald, even though I thought Oscar McDonald played probably his best game since his rising star nomination um, in the first game, but just for just for the sake of getting Salem back in there, uh, I don't know what the status of Michael Hibbert is after the the personal tragedy he had um, during the break, uh, but I'm assuming he is going to play. Uh, so so obviously, um, you know, there might be a need to cover him as well, and Salem could do that if that was required. Um, in terms of uh, Carlton's forward line, I know they've got. Um... A uh, couple of their big man, um, uh, Kurnos, hey, McKay, not playing. McKay's uh, not playing, McKay's, but they've got still. Oh, McKay, McKay's playing. Oh, he is playing. I thought he was injured yes, for some reason. Okay, yes. so McKay is uh, playing. Okay, um, 
so we'd still need the, the, the tools in there if you got McKay and Caz uh, Bolt. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, the problem that Carlton have got is in the, in the ruck because um, Cruiser. Cruiser's out injured and their number two, uh, De Koenig, is also injured, which means that uh, Pitanay, who played with Hawthorne, is now going to be their main ruck, um, who Max should be licking yeah. his lips about. Um, but the question is, what do you do when Peter Nagy goes for a break? They'll probably have to drag Casbold out of the forward line. Yep, yep. Um, so we, we may not need the same number of tools down the back. Um, this will be the, the big question for the uh, for the selection committee as well. Um, uh, uh, you play May, Lever, um, uh, maybe a... Um, Maybe a, a Smith or a Hibbert. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sold on Hibbert at the moment. Um, how many more do you need? Because really, that that's the extent of the Carlton um, uh, Big man. forward line. Um, uh, Neville will do his usual job on bets, I, I suspect. Um, so really, they don't have all that many goal kickers outside those two main ones in McKay and Casbol. Um, we have to wait. Wait and see what the, the selection committee thinks. Um, I think our biggest problem is still what we do up the forward line as a consequence. You know, are we going to keep dragging with with no real second ruck that Carlton have? We don't have the same needs, for example, to drag a Tom McDonald or a Wiedemann out, uh, or we can afford to drag them out than previously what what we did say against West Coast. So. Um, a few selection uh, considerations um, well, yet, to, yet to be worked through. I'm pretty sure I saw in that uh, match sim thread on Demon Land was that um, Wiedemann was used uh, as the backup ruck. Yeah. Um, so yes, you would he think was, he, yeah. you'd think yeah. he's that's going to be if well if he play well you would think he's going to play then if that's what they're doing. Otherwise, you would have thought they'd be dragging T Mac uh, out as the ruckman. But I don't know. Yeah. I, um, and do we play Wiedemann, T-Mac and Brown? <laughs> Look, having watched us, I don't think they will, but having watched, uh, watched uh, you know, stuff from 94, I'm a fan of, of taller forward lines. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I don't think they will. And is there a spot for Hannon? All depends. All depends on form, and uh, is he is he hundred percent? Well, apparently, he's, he, that that's the case at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, I'd, I'd be keen. I'd be also very keen to see Rivers. Um, uh, Andy and I saw him at the yeah. North Melbourne game, um, and he was pretty impressive. Yeah, he was his delivery. His delivery um, from the half back line was just exceptional. Um, and uh, like I said, I'm not sold on here, but yeah. um, Rivers will. Times, uh, he'll play this year. Uh, I've got no doubt about oh, yeah, that. Whether yeah, he yeah. plays now or, or not, he, he by the end of the year he'll be a fixture of the team. Um, I think. Um, and the, the question, the question for those sort of players is: Do we play them against someone like Carlton, or do we wait to play them against a more serious side? Um, there's probably an opportunity to. Um, Put a few of those younger ones in against Carlton, who, on expectations, aren't going to be a, a top side this year, but certainly middle of the table. Um, so there might be the chance to slot a few odd ones in there this t- this time. 
Yeah, it's it's just really it's really hard not having the resis, not having. We don't know what the scratch matches are going to look like, and obviously they're not going to be full games. Um, it's really hard because it's hard to know yeah. what to do. <laughs> These guys do need to get games into them. So are they going to get the games into them by playing actual games? Um, or are they, you know, because they can't sit out a year or only get called up when, you know, needed yeah. based on injuries. Um, it's a tough one. Um, our draw this year so far, uh, mm-hmm. what what'd you make of that? Uh, uh, well, I guess because we got we got we got we got screwed on the home game uh, type of thing, but I guess it doesn't really matter when when there's no uh, when there's no crowds there. And uh, but uh, considering we played an away game uh, in the first game, and then don't only get one more uh, home game uh, up until round five, doesn't seem fair. But uh, I guess it really doesn't matter. We've been better away from the MCG. Uh, That's a lot true. Of the time the last couple of years, so it might be a, a blessing in disguise. That's true. And uh, the one time we can get to watch us play Geelong, besides the f- the final that we played, obviously, um, we can't even go. <laughs> mm. That's and not I, a bad thing, but I was I was floored that we actually weren't uh, playing them in Geelong. Uh, yeah, well, they've set it up, so we, we're right to go down there next year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, good, the good thing about the good thing about the draw that we've got currently the first couple of rounds is that, firstly, it, it, um, apart from uh, this weekend, we've got three successive um, uh, free-to-air television, so uh, that that's good for sponsors. And the reality is the teams that we're playing are the teams we sh- we've got to beat or, yep. or be very competitive against if we're really serious about this season. So we've got the opportunity to see... Um, we will sit after a very short period of time, I suspect. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we've th- this gives us the best possible opportunity to get off to a good start. In given that we're one in the hole with sixteen to play, uh, if we were to go one and three from here, you could shut the gate basically. Yeah, we've got to go three and one. It would be extremely disappointing not to, you know, add a, I don't know. Maybe I'm being generous, but not to go at least two and two, if not three and one. We've got to if go we're three and one. A serious team. And given who we've got, then we've got to still got to play Richmond. We've still got to play Collingwood. Um, we've still got to play a lot of good teams. You'd desperately want to get wins in the bank now. And, and I think that it, there's no money to pay anybody out, but there'll be a lot of people trying to take up uh, collections to sack a few people if uh, if this doesn't go well over the next few weeks. Yeah. Be a Kickstarter. Uh, look, I I, I think uh, no one's going to get sacked <laughs> this year. Uh, it doesn't matter how bad things things go. I think the they'll all get a. Uh... No, I agree. I mean, look, the clubs they're, they're in no position to yeah. be paying paying coaches out. But that's you've you've done the internet thing long enough to know that that's not going to uh, save Goodwin from about three and a half thousand different threads if uh, <laughs> this doesn't go well. Believe me, I do know that. That. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we do know get that your moderator hammer out. You might need it. In your, your defamation lawyer. In. <laughs> oh, we've got we've got rid of a few of the problematic ones, so maybe less of a problem. All right, boys. Uh, anything else? Uh, anything else before we wrap things up here today? Oh, I, I think uh, we should win, but. I'm not taking it lightly. I'm not assuming a win. Uh, I'm not 
anywhere between the margin of our last two games against Carlton, which is, I think, five points and 120 points would be nice. <laughs> uh, obviously, the more the merrier. But, um, look, it's, we did match up well against... Uh, they actually finished higher than us on the ladder last season, which mm. is, is really hard to understand. Um, but we did... We obviously thumped them the time before when we were having a good season and we were well on the way to thumping them last year. Yeah, we lost the done entire them. bench yeah. for a whole last quarter. Yeah. So I think on paper you would have to have us as pretty reasonable favourites. And again, I don't think apart from 15 minutes in one quarter, we were that bad against West Coast. But this is a real test. If we don't, if we cannot beat this Carlton team, who are not as bad as they were, but we're not as good as we were either, it's, it really is going to lead to a lot of questions about the, the team balance, the coaching. It's going to open media that are starved for you know, three months of not trying to get anyone sacked, even though we know no one's going to get sacked, will go the clickbait uh, to the extreme if we don't win this. And it's going to be pretty ugly, I reckon. Oh, the, me- the media will be pouncing on any coach yeah, that uh, be fails this year. The they, and... they can't wait uh, after, <laughs> you know, so long with nothing. Um, uh, one other, who, who plays on Jack Martin? Um, I thought he was quite impressive in Carlton's first uh, first game. Um, if we're going to have uh, um, Nev play on uh, Betts. I'm, I'm, I'm less worried about playing on Jack Martin than, than Patrick Cripps. Um, uh, I'd, I'd have harms on the Cripps really, really quickly because he is he is the engine room. Um, well, Martin Martin gets a lot of the ball, but Cripps is really powerful on the inside, and you you just need someone to at least minimise the damage that he's going to cause, regardless. So, um, um, yeah, a little, little bit less worried about Martin. You bring up the ball doesn't get to agree hundred percent, hundred percent with that harms. But we've got this yep. bizarre plan this year to play him as halfback flanker, yeah. exactly, which yeah. I think is a complete waste of his talents, exactly. Um, yeah. You, you're 100 percent right. That is a that's a perfect example of the job he could do, and actually yeah. get possessions going the other way as well, that, like that, he did a couple of years ago. That, that you've hit the nail on the head because, based on the match sim report, and based on round one this year, Harms is going to play off half back and play a bit in the midfield as well. But why not? You he was so good late 2018 in that shutdown role. Why we're not going to use him in that and we won't we're not going to use him as much as we can say that's what he should do put him on crips and just say just your job is don't let him touch the ball and yeah, if there's anything I've, that i'm going to blow up about this season i guarantee you it will involve james harms in the back line mm. <laughs> i was hoping that that all the noise about harms in the back line was as a rotation spot rather than actually not using him in the middle, you know, that you, you rotate him off the bench and onto the back line, then into the middle again when needed. Um, um, but we haven't seen enough, and you can't tell from the television um, viewing of actually what's going on. So I'm hoping that we don't actually play him as a halfback flanker, but we still play him as a, a bench rotator up through the halfback area when when the rotations need to be to be had. But um, if we can't beat Carlton when they haven't got Cruiser and effectively any other decent ruck um, on the field, um, then I think I think the season could be over very quickly this weekend. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree 100%. You would, that, that would leave us in a, a hole that they would need to 
find some magic formula. It wouldn't be mathematically impossible, but given that then who we've got to play after that, they would be in a 10 foot deep hole trying to climb out um, if we lose this week. And it's not even the other thing. It's not even advantageous uh, this year to for us to tank uh, <laughs> because of yeah. the whole <laughs> big yeah. swap. So I wonder about that because North Melbourne, sure, we're giving them our first pick, but do they want the pick this year? Well, George, you, you put... The TAC Cup's all over the place. Yep. Um, yeah. The draft is going to be... There's going to be weird stuff going on. Is there a potential that they say all the pick swaps get pushed back a year or something like that and, and they don't do them this year? Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation. Um, uh, without TAC Cup, without all the local leagues, without the VFL, without the Sandful and the Waffle, um, once again, how do, how do you, these kids show their wares? Um, you may well have as much chance of picking the best player in the um, comp, the best, the best future player, uh, pick number 20 is pick number one, I suspect, this year, unless we see some revival of, the, of these um, other leagues. So, yeah, yeah losing, the first, losing the first pick may not be uh, such a, a, a problem for us, particularly with, with the players that we've already got for it. So. And let's say, let's say a, a, not the worst-case scenario, but a poor <laughs> scenario where we are handing pick five over to North Melbourne. So you don't get... You would, being a Melbourne fan, you can't be sure, but you would think it would be harder to stuff up the first couple of picks. But when you get to that sort of pick four, five, you know, and up from there, and they haven't had the full season of form, they haven't seen, you know, they haven't seen as much of them. Like they're, they're almost um, getting their recruiters to, you know, throw a dart at the dartboard um, to yeah. make that selection. So I think it would be interesting to find out when they decide whether those picks will be used this year and, yeah. and what happens with the draft. You know, the, the ultimate scenario for me would be they say, Let's just use last year's full season draft order, but with no priority picks. And oh, here you go, Melbourne have pick number two. That'd be good. I'd be happy for us to throw the dart <laughs> at the dartboard uh, in that case. But knowing our luck, they'd probably give another priority pick to Gold Coast, so it'd go down to three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other complication is, uh, as uh, was pointed out last year, is is the number of academy uh, players that are going to. I think there was ten out of the top thirty yeah. um, are probably going to be academy players already tied to clubs. Yep. So it's going to be even harder to um, to pick pick a decent player um, from the pure drafting perspective. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with. I don't know who else has got forward traded picks, but what their views will be. Um, I, I suspect they might wait until they find out they get an idea of where those picks might land. Um, mm. Obviously, if suddenly we catch fire and North are getting pick eighteen, they'll probably be less concerned about it than they than they will if they're getting picked, you know, three or four. Um, mm. But as I say, I don't know who else has got forward traded picks in hand this year, but it does seem a bit, a, a touch unfair. Like, of course, you can always say, hey, you do, the, you do the trade. It's not our fault what happens after that. Anything could happen. Um, but it, it's almost seems a bit unfair that, yeah, they've traded a pick and then the situation's changed, the playing field's changed on them. Um, but hopefully, whatever happens, it works in our favour. Yeah. Uh, for once, a draft day. Well, I'll say this for the nine millionth time in the past two months. We live in unprecedented times. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, boys, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me um, Joining me tonight to, to 
to wrap up uh, COVID. <laughs> it's still out there, but uh, hopefully we can get to uh, some games this year because uh, I really want to see some footy. And it's you know what, it's not so much um, it's not so much the game. Yeah, sure, I want I want to watch the game, but I just love like that whole day out going to the footy. You know, getting my my pie and a Coke Zero and and a hot dog <laughs> and away from the kids for a few hours. It's uh, I need the release. For Sixteen minutes less than you were last. <laughs> and you know what? I, I I read somewhere that they say we might be able to go to the footy, but we're not allowed to boo or shout or scream. Uh, what's the use? That's my whole release. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me, and uh, hopefully uh, well, we can uh, speak next week. Uh, you know, on uh, some happy, happy terms. All right, guys. Uh, catch you next week. Thank you.